any means necessary on Radio Sputnik in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sean Blackman, here with Jackie Lukeman. And as always, we are your guide for connecting the political, social, and economic movements shaping the world around us. And today we're talking about Israel's most recent assault on Gaza. And we're happy to be joined for this conversation today by Asa Winstonley, an investigative journalist and associate editor with the Electronic Intifada. Asa, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you again, Sean. Absolutely. And Asa, uh, just last night on Sunday night, there was a ceasefire agreement that was uh, uh, chosen between Israel and the Islamic Jihad Palestinian resistance group um, that took place following three days of a bombing campaign from Israel uh, against Gaza. Now, uh, the Gaza Health Ministry said that 44 Palestinians had been killed in the territory. This includes 15 children with more than 300 Palestinians being injured all told, with almost a third of them being children. I mean, uh, children just seem particularly impacted by this. And uh, I believe this is uh, one of the most uh, considerable uh, acts of aggression from Israel that we've seen since the 11-day assault last year, if memory serves. Uh, According to Al-Haq, a Palestinian human rights group, Israel, quote, indiscriminately targeted civilians and non-military Military structures, which constitutes a grave breach of international humanitarian law and may amount to war crimes and crimes against humanity. And Asa, we saw some frightening uh, images and video online uh, of some of this bombing as it was taking place. And so to begin, I was hoping you could help us understand what is at the root of this latest attack uh, from Israel and how did things unfold from there? Well, I think the first thing to recognize is that, as always, Israel started it. Israel began on Friday by carrying out an unprovoked attack on the Gaza Strip, bombing civilian areas. I mean, the entirety of the Gaza Strip is a civilian area because it's one of the most densely populated territories in the entire world. There are more than two million people now living in the Gaza Strip, you know, about around half of them are children. And so any kind of mass attack involving artillery or aerial bombing, as it was in this case, is going to inevitably result in Palestinian civilian casualties, regardless of whether or not Israel, it was targeting Palestinian resistance fighters, as it claims it was in this case. Um, and we see that was only that's was only partially true. It, yes, there were Palestinian resistance fighters who died as a result of these attacks, um, but there was also children, as you stated, around 15 children. Um, you know, and the, the final death toll may rise, I suppose, as you know, um, information comes in from Gaza of this um, terrible latest assault. Um, and I think it's, in my view, what lies at the root of this is simply that there is a new Israeli prime minister, Yair Lapid, um, who was part of the coalition government. He was the uh, set, he was due to be the second prime minister, and the coalition government collapsed not long ago, and there are now new elections to be held in the autumn in the fall and the 
Yale, Yale Lapid, unusually for Israeli politicians, does not have so much of a career as a professional uh, military person. You know, he comes from, uh, he, he was a television host, he was a television anchor, a TV news journalist, um, and uh, as was his father before him. So, you know, he, in a, such a martial society as Israel, which is a settler colonial society and has um, a, a obligatory military service built into its structures. Um, for politicians, it's important that they are, have some sort of military credentials. And, you know, unfortunately, to win elections in Israel, you have to look like you're willing to kill Palestinians because that is the price of having a... Uh, a Jewish supremacist state in Palestine, in any part of Palestine, um, you're going to have to be willing to kill the indigenous people. That's the brutal reality that lies behind that lies behind all these kind of um, uh, nonsense that's spouted about the so-called Jewish and democratic state. That's the reality, and um, I think the reason that we've seen that these attacks have been so, in particularly indiscriminate and why the attack was so blatantly unprovoked. You know, there was no pretense even of responding to Palestinian resistance um, shelling from the Gaza Strip, of rockets from the Gaza Strip. It was just a completely um, unprovoked surprise attack on the Gaza Strip. Um, I, I think a big part of the reason for that was a... You can understand it if you would have read a report in the Israeli newspaper Haaretz in May, where Israeli military intelligence put it out that it's, it made let it be known that it was essentially running out of targets in the Gaza Strip, that um, they said that the Gaza target bank has become, quote, very problematic. And so what that meant was that their list of places that they would bomb in any forthcoming war was growing very thin. There was no, I think part of this is down, you know, we shouldn't downplay the role of the resistance, the Palestinian resistance in this. I mean, I, th I do think a large part of this is down to the increasing sophistication of the Palestinian resistance, that um, the Palestinian uh, intelligence apparatus, the 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 uh you know the out, roots out collaborators and information leaks and so forth has become more sophisticated over the years and also that you know the palestinian resistance by its very nature is a guerrilla force right so it's always constantly moving around um it has a series of underground tunnels you know to defend the people of the gaza strip uh, militarily and so therefore it, it doesn't have it has very few known fixed military targets. So that's one reason. Second reason, as I sta stated, is the resistance's counterintelligence operations, rooting out collaborators and and, um, and so forth. Um, but I think another reason is just simply the sheer brutality of the Israeli military. Of Every subsequent Israeli war, um, is just so brutal. They bomb everything in sight. They bomb anything. Like in the last war last year in May, we saw them just openly bomb uh, an entire, uh, a well-known building which housed local lo local offices of international media organizations, including Al Jazeera and Reuters and the rest. 
Um, they've just openly in front of the entire world's press destroyed this building and there's been absolutely no, you know, they bombed it to the ground. There's been no accountability for this. And so, you know, the Israelis have run out of things to bomb in the Gaza Strip. You know, they, they, they come out with these weak claims about, oh, it was being used as a Hamas um, office, which, you know, was completely untrue. And there was no basis to what they were saying, but it was still entertained by, unfortunately, by some media in the West. Um, and so, you know, this, I, I think the brutality of this latest assault um, is due to this, this, what they were saying in May earlier this year, they're running out of targets in the Gaza Strip, so they're essentially bombing anything. And so that's why we've seen things like they're bombing um, apartment complexes. They're bombing, even according to one report I read in Middle East Die, they were bombing a, a graveyard. Um, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> the there's, a, there's an Arabic um, sort of uh, saying about, um, you know, killing the person and then coming to their funeral. Well, you know, the Israelis appear to be trying to come to kill people twice by bombing graveyards. And in, 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 in that in that particular attack, there were several children killed, you know. So there doesn't seem to be anywhere at all that is safe in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, Asa, and, you know, aside from just the, the sheer brutality uh, that you just described um, of Israel's continued attacks on Gaza. They are now using uh, the fact that, you know, they have to uh, target uh, the Palestinian, uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad uh, to stop them from escalating. And they've, they've carried out uh, assassinations of their leaders and even the negotiations uh, for this latest ceasefire seem to be kind of tearing on the brink of falling apart because Israel uh, apparently refuses to release uh, someone that uh, the Palestinian uh, Islamic Jihad resistant group wants released. So what is what is the history of uh, the attacks on uh, this group and its leaders that uh, Israel has been carrying out that we don't know about? And who is the, the person that uh, the Palestinian Islamic Jihadist resistance group wants released? Well, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad is a small nationalist organization, you know, uh, which with, uh, as, the, as the name of the group suggests, with um, an Islamic ideology, it's both nationalist and Islamic. So quite often, Israeli propaganda will attempt to demonize Palestinian resistance group as associated with Al-Qaeda and Islamic State and, and so forth. But actually nothing could be further from the truth. And for example, Hamas, the Islamic resistance movement, which forms the government in the Gaza Strip and, you know, um, more than f the best part of two decades ago now almost, um, was elected, the legitimate elected leadership of the Palestinian Authority um, the Islamic resistance movement um, has been in outright, outright war against um, small Al-Qaeda-type groups that have popped up from time to time in the Gaza Strip, you know, and they've kind of um, stamped those out. Um, these are, you know, yes, Islamic characteristics, but essentially nationalist organizations um, which are fighting to free themselves from Israeli occupation, from 
the settler colony state of Israel and to allow their people to go home from where they were expelled in 1948 and have been continuously expelled ever since. And um, the Islamic Jihad is not as big an organization as Hamas, but um, it carries out a determined military struggle and it has won a lot of um, support from Palestinians because of that. Um, and interest, interestingly, this past year, we've seen the uh, Palestinian military resistance return to the West Bank, which is something which is a, a new phenomenon for for the last decade, really, because the Palestinian Authority largely stamped it out. But centering especially around Janin, we've seen the rise of uh, or the return of Palestinian armed resistance in the West Bank. And Islamic Jihad has um, played a big part in that. Um, and it's it's meant that, you know, the, at the start of this latest Israeli escalation was for the, them to arrest an Islamic Jihad, or I should say an alleged Islamic Jihad commando in the West Bank. Um, and... Um, and to begin, you know, arrest operations against Palestinian militants in the West Bank. And so the Islamic Jihad leadership in the Gaza Strip is attempting to use this latest Israeli aggression and to uh, is attempting to um, make a condition of its ceasefire for, for the Israelis to release some of these prisoners. Uh, and, um, you know, initial reports that I've seen suggest that... Um, the Israelis agreed to discuss it. So, you know, we'll see what comes out of the these negotiations. Definitely. Well, we thank you so much, Asa, for joining us today. We're going to leave it there and move to a break here on By Any Means Necessary on Radio Sputnik in Washington, D.C. We'll be right back. So please stay with us. By Any Means Necessary. 